those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlam Fraser, and we're joined by one of the other specs involved in supercars, that being Rachel Eggleston from Eggleston Motorsport. Welcome on board, Rachel. Good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Wonderful for you to be here. Probably a long time in the coming, but uh, probably we should just start straight up on the talk about COVID, because obviously with impending council down the road, uh, only a matter of uh, 10 days or so away, What's the situation from Supercars? What have you been advised? Well, basically, um, it's only come out today that there's the lockdown in Queensland now, which affects Townsville as well, they're included. So we've basically just been passed on the same information that the government um, have provided everybody else. They're obviously saying their intention at the moment is to, to go forward, but just adhere to all the government advice. So I think until Friday, when their lockdown is due to end, um, it'll be a little bit up in the air for everybody as to what we do. Being from Melbourne, we're the furthest from from there, so trucks do have to leave on the weekend. Um, so there's all that logistical side of it as well that needs some, um, some forward planning. So hopefully we'll just um, yeah get some more information before the week's out so we can uh, get a bit of direction um, and get back racing as soon as possible. Tell us a little bit about, uh, well, first of all, probably talk about your background in motorsport because of, I know of the WAG family name, which is your maiden name. Tell us uh, your involvement in motorsport with your father and GT. Sure. Um, uh, as some people may know, my father, Martin WAG, um, raced in mainly Porsche, uh, Porsche-related categories. So I've been around the car racing scene since I was a kid and we were always at the track as often as we could supporting dad and um, it just became a bit of a passion of mine as well. And so um, when I finished school um, at the same time as doing uni, I um, did some work with um, a wonderful woman called Kay Tankard who used to run the Porsche Cup um, many years ago. And she'd been doing that for a long time and she was about ready to um, to move on to some other things. So I started working alongside her, basically learnt the ropes um, and took over um, that role uh, running the, the Porsche series at the time. Um, and we did that um, for a period of time and, and obviously at the same same time as that, Nations Cup was um, also running and that was you know, on the, the pro car days and that was all running into a bit of trouble as well. So when that the whole pro car circus fell over. Um, uh, the late Terry Little um, was very keen to see the Nations Cup side of things continue. And um, likewise, from our side of things, the Porsche, um, the Porsche side of things. And Carrera Cup had come on the scene at that point in time as well. So um, there was more competition in the Porsche market. So 
Long story short, what we ended up doing was um, Martin and I joined forces with Terry and we basically brought together the Porsche Challenge at that time, or former Porsche Cup, um, and the Nations Cup field, joined them together and ran them um, side by side essentially. And then um, that's basically translated into forming the Australian GT Championship, um, which, uh, we, which I co-owned and, and ran up until 2011. Yeah, it's a, quite a history in the sport, uh, Rachel, and one that I'm sure your father, well known around the traps, as I equally have known you and, of course, uh, Terry Little. So it was a wonderful days um, when uh, Nations Cup was running and then uh, the category uh, for morphing into GTs. Um, you then uh, met somebody in pit lane, so to speak, and subsequently married the man. I did. He uh, then, at that stage, brought an Aston Martin to come and run in the Australian GT Championship, and that is how we met. Obviously, he had to come to me to get all the information and figure out what to do and everything like that. So that is how we met, um, and he ran that car for a couple of years, um, uh, yeah, racing in Australian GT himself. And then, obviously, I yeah, we, we got out of the GT scene um, from an ownership perspective and a management perspective in 2011, um, selling to Tony Quinn. And then, um, you know, obviously, Ben's a pretty established driver and mechanic in his own right. He'd been doing some supercar stuff as well. Um, and we basically got together and thought, hey, this is something, we, you know, we both absolutely love um, and really ramped up um, the team side of things. Um, and that's where I guess what you see today, the Eggleston Motorsport of today, um, really, really was born um, back in, you know, back in the 2013 probably was where we really, really kicked off and we um, invested in our uh, in our first Triple Eight VEs. That was that was probably the real start of it. In fact, had some great success early on with Paul Dumbrell winning the uh, championship, and in the same year won Super Two. You also won the Super 3 Championship with Justin Rougier. I mean, that was uh, obviously fun times for Eggleston Motorsport. Look, it was. They, we look back on those days, and they're probably some of our, um, our most enjoyable days, to be honest. We, those were brilliant cars. You know, the, the VEs, they were such great cars. We had a lot of success with them. Um, and then bringing Justin in when we did the Super 3 Championship, obviously, you know, having someone that a lot of people hadn't heard of, he really hadn't done any racing. Um, he was just really well-known for his simulator um, exploits. And so um, a lot of people kind of, you know, he said at the time he went to a couple of teams in pit lane and they kind of laughed at him and, and thought it was a bit of a joke. But, um, you know, we saw something in him, his fantastic person, someone that we're still best mates with to this day, him and his family. They're just brilliant people. And take him to the first round at Malala, um, he'd never sat in the car, he'd never tested it. He got in it and uh, we basically said, right, this is what you've got to do. Do this, do that. Um, just ran him through all the controls and various bits and pieces and off he went. And we were, obviously, we were second for that round behind Ryan Simpson, but, but close behind Ryan, who was he's obviously a very established driver himself. So, yeah, we look back on those days and that, that was one of our, yeah, one of our really proud years. That was, um, it was a lot of fun. Your team's name, Rachel, is always up there when they talk about wrecks and moving Super 2 teams into the main game. How how big a move is it for a team like yours to even contemplate doing it? And uh, are there major barriers that stop Super 2 teams from making that transition? 
Um, I think there's twofold. Obviously, you know, in, in Super 2, we run at a very high level. And so from the equipment side of things, you know, we're pretty well um, resourced in that in that area. We've, you know, we've run four or five cars um, at a race meeting in the past. So we've got plenty of gear and we, you know, that side of things not is not really the issue. I guess the other side of the fence is, is, a, is a budgetary thing. Um, we've obviously seen over the years that the cars and the sports become probably unsustainably expensive, hence why they're going down the Gen 3 route. Um, and so for a team like us, we, we run we run as a business. So this is our bread and butter. This is what we do for a living. Um, and so it has to make commercial sense for us to do anything. And, and, and with absolute all due respect to a number of the main series, current main series teams, you know, a lot of the people that own those teams may have other business interests, which they can sometimes utilise from a cash flow perspective, potentially, or somebody there that's a backer or, or something that can, I, I guess, not prop it up, but can inject some cash flow if required. Now, when you get the, super, the current Super 2 teams, you know, as I said, many of them would be in the same situation as us. Um, it, it's, a, it's a business. And so for something, for us to be able to move into something like that, it has to make um, complete business sense. And I guess to this point, it, the numbers probably don't stack up. Um, you know, that may change in the future with the gentry model. I'm not entirely sure. I guess we probably just have to see how that all, that all flushes out in the next 12 months really, don't we? And so how big a hit was it to a business like yours when you have a year which is completely unforeseen like we saw in 2020? Look, it is. It's huge. There's no, um, there's no disguising that. It's, it shows you that you really need to have multiple strings to your bow um, to be able to withstand something like that. Um, you obviously plan and, you, you know, your budgets and your cash flow and everything are worked out on. Um, certain intervals throughout the year and obviously when you know we only really got in one true event and then the Sydney event was all you know was all quite rushed etc um, the midway through last year but yeah it, it did it was really really difficult um, we you know we were lucky I guess in terms of workload we, we have a lot of restoration um, old supercar restoration projects that we've been trying to start for many years but given that we've always been so busy with the racing whether it's Super 2 or GT or whatever we're doing at the time we really haven't had the time to focus on those um so the only the only positive really was that we had the time to do those things but they're all long-term projects so yeah it, it really made it very very difficult and then again this year you know we've obviously only had one event so far at Bathurst in February um and even though we were meant to have a large gap um, between the first and second rounds, obviously Winton was postponed, but um, it's um, you know it's providing more uncertainty again. You kind of don't feel like you don't know. Yes, it's scheduled, but is it going to go ahead? It's all a lot of uncertainty, so it, it does make it very difficult um, and planning and all that kind of stuff as well. How many employees are full time at Eagleston? Um, we really have. Obviously, there's Ben and I. Um, and then we probably have only two other people at the moment, um, and yep. that's across the board in terms of our Super 2 and our restoration side and other bits and pieces. We, you know, again, it's a business. We run as a business, and and um, you just can't, in, in this game these days, you know, you just can't afford to have um, 
a whole heap of staff. So again, that kind of comes back to what I was saying in that you, you have to start um, having yeah, more strings to your bow and other things going on in your business um, to make sure that you can withstand these kind of times. Is GT still part of your uh, business plan though, isn't it? You, you have uh, run in recent times. Yeah, so um, we were last year, Peter Hackett's obviously been a long-standing customer of ours and a great friend, and he had sold his car um, over the Christmas break last year, um, or sorry, 19 to 20, and we had uh, we were meant to be running um, Ryan Simpson, who we competed against many years ago in, in Super 3, but he, um, he had bought a Mercedes um, and brought that down to us. We were meant to be running that for him last year. Uh, we only got that at basically the start of the season and then he got uh, one test day in, I think, um, or two test days in for the whole year. Obviously, all of GT, all the GT rounds were cancelled last year. And then, unfortunately, um, in the uh, in the changeover in terms of ownership of Australian GT and the significant regulation changes, um, they've moved to follow more of a worldwide um, model in terms of the driver rankings, et cetera. And so um, for Ryan Simpson and also a, a Pete Hackett, uh, they're actually their FIA silver-ranked driver and the rules got changed to say that they couldn't drive on their own anymore. So if they wanted to continue to race in Australian GT, they had to actually go out and get a co-driver um, a, and it had to be a bronze co-driver, which actually is obviously a lower level to what they are. And unfortunately, um, you know, Ryan bought his car and entered the series um, to drive on his own. That's what he wanted to do and, and he wasn't interested in, in having a co-driver. So, unfortunately, that um, they decided to sell their car and not run in GT this year. So, we don't have a GT car currently. Um, that's not to say that won't change. And I know Pete Hackett, for example, is always um, looking to get back involved and we've had another, um, another um, few approaches from people more so from the Mercedes side of things um, that are interested to get involved. So um, at, this, at this stage, we don't have a GT car um, to run, but, uh, you know, that, that may change in the short term. Rachel, with staffing, and when you say you're running it on such a small team, but you need more people in the race weekend, are you finding that the, the churn out of the main game teams has become quite an asset for you in being able to pick up good quality, experienced people on race weekends? Yeah, look, there's certainly more people, um, I'd say more people around. Um, to be honest, we we have probably had the same core group of contractors, if you like, or race weekend crew, basically from 2013 and 14. All our, all our guys... Um, just enjoy it so much and we're a big family and everybody just sticks around. So we're very lucky and obviously we've fluctuated in terms of how many cars we run um, over the years and so some years, you know, with, uh, with people's work commitments, they have to sub out for a year but then, you know, we go up in car numbers and they come back the following year. So we're pretty good in terms of, um, you know, our, our crew for race weekends. But yeah, definitely now... Um, with, yeah, with some of those main series teams scaling back, there is there is more scope to get in get in those kind of guys for weekend. Obviously, the difficulty, uh, Rachel, this year is getting in the rounds. And as you say, you know, you've got the third round coming up. But you've only ever had one, or be Winton's postponed for another month or so. Um, it makes it very difficult for you to actually uh, look ahead. But 
um, Super 2, Super 3, that suits your model to continue on with, you know, maybe someone with GT coming along as well? Yeah, I think so. That's kind of where our, um, you know, that's probably, yeah, where we've been in terms of um, our direction for a long time. And I don't see that changing in the short term either. Supercars is really, you know, probably our key our key market. And obviously with the recent announcement that um, the current car we're running at the moment, the VF is going to continue being um, the car in Super 2 for uh, the rest of this year and next season as well. So that just solidifies um, our planning and, and, and what we're doing. So um, we, you know, this year we're running um, a number of our own cars, but we've also got, a, you know, a customer Super 2 car and a customer Super 3 car as well. So we've got a bit of flexibility in, in, um, in what we can do and what we're, what we're running. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, that's, that's definitely our, our basis. And then, Absolutely, you know we're open to if we get um, a GT customer that's interested. We we don't own the GT cars. That's not kind of our business model, but we're happy to run um, as we have done in the past. Run customers in, in Australian GT. You've never considered the uh, control categories like uh, Toyota eighty sixes, for instance, or any of the others like Utes or any of those other categories. No, I think. Um, Kind of our, our, I guess, our mentality has always been between Ben and myself is that we like to be directly involved with whatever we're doing. So, for example, you know, I'm the team manager on race weekends, hands-on. That's that's kind of my role, overseeing everything, um, being basically the one responsible. Um, and then, you know, Ben's hands-on mechanic on the car, on the radio, you know, repairing cars, whatever needs to be done. So that's that's how we, we like to do it. And we feel if we take on any more than um, any more than two categories that that could dilute what we're doing um, and the service that we'd be able to give to our customers. We like to be yeah, personally there working on the cars, running it ourselves. And I think if we spread ourselves too thin, um, you know, that, that may mean that we can't be at every race meeting and that's not how we like to operate. We always like to be there um, and and make sure that that's the service that we can offer. So I think, yeah, two is probably um, the best balance for us as a business. What uh, do you think is uh, one of the most important uh, things for you in Super 2? Uh, you know, what is it that, that makes that category work so well? Um, I think obviously where you know, supercars is obviously it, it's a brand and it's a car that we're passionate about. We enjoy it. Um, those cars, uh, we know them very, very well. We know the category really well. Um, it's a professional category. That's what we, um, that's, you know, that's what kind of draws us to doing that. We bring in and having um, young up and coming talent that we can hopefully um, guide in their career and build them up to the point where, you know, they're going to get picked up by a main series team and, and have a career. That's fairly rewarding for people like us. Um, we're very competitive people by nature. And so we really, if we're going to do something, we want to be competitive in it and we want to do it to obviously the best of our ability um, and be running at the front. So, um, yeah, I think that's just that's just the cars. You know, we're passionate about the cars and the, uh, and the racing and, you know, at that, that professional level. Um, just uh, quickly, this year's race formats, I mean, there seems to be a great more consolidation. Obviously, last year was very difficult, but this year the calendar seems set. You've um, you know, just got these two race formats, and that uh, you're happy with working with that? 
Yeah, I've always thought we need to um, essentially mirror certain – obviously our races are nowhere near as long as the main series races, but it's really important to um, replicate the type of environment they will be in in terms of having um, the short qualifying session and a qualifying session per race. Um, obviously, a lot of other categories will do a progressive grid, so they'll just do one qualifying session, and that's where you start the first race, where you finish for the first is where you start from the second, and so on and so on. Now, that that kind of format for me, um, you know, if you have a if you have a poor qualifying or poor race one, your weekend's over before it even began. And in in this game, with the amount of money that everybody's spending. Um, to do what we do, you're not going to get people keeping coming back um, if they've got no chance of doing well for the weekend just because they've been taken out in race one or something, something's gone wrong. So it essentially gives you a chance to reset overnight and go again the next day. So I think it's really important um, and having those short, sharp qualifying sessions is something these guys need to learn how to manage because when they get to main series, that's what it is. It's just qualifying lap after qualifying lap and you have to be able to turn it on instantly and they and you know these guys and people that are new to supercars coming in uh you know learning the tire and how to turn the tire on and when it's up to temperature when to go you know all those kind of things that's um that's important for them to learn because um it will certainly help when they when they move up so no i think i think the way it is is great um and obviously we only have the one different race format being um at Bathurst with the longer the longer races but no i think i think how it is now works really well oh wonderful rachel i wish you all the best in those qualifying sessions coming up in 10 days or so time and we hope that the races go ahead for a whole bunch of different reasons but uh, most of all to make sure that Eagleson Motorsport is back out there again racing uh, on the tracks of Australia. So thank you for joining us at Inside Supercars. We wish you all the very best and to you and your family. No worries. My absolute pleasure, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.